the countess of escarbagna by moliere translated by charles heron wall this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. persons represented the count son to the countess read by philip gould the viscount in love with julia read by todd mr tiboutier counsellor in love with the countess read by thomas peter mr harpin receiver of taxes also in love with the countess read by nemo mr bobinet tutor to the count read by eva davis Jeannot, servant to mr thibaudier read by alan mapstone cricket servant to the countess read by jasmine selma the countess of escarbanias read by t j burns julia in love with a viscount read by leanne yao andre maid to the countess read by sonia stage directions read by sandra schmidt the scene is at angouleme the countess of escarbagna scene one julia the viscount what you are here already yes and you ought to be ashamed of yourself cleant it is not right for a lover to be the last to come to the rendezvous i should have been here long ago if there were no important people in the world i was stopped on my way here by an old bore of rank who asked me news of the court merely to be able himself to detail to me the most absurd things that can well be imagined about it you know that those great newsmongers are the curse of provincial towns and that they have no greater anxiety than to spread everywhere abroad all the tittle-tattle they pick up this one showed me to begin with two large sheets of paper full to the very brim with the greatest imaginable amount of rubbish which he says come from the safest quarters then as if it were a wonderful thing he read full length and with great mystery all the stupid jokes in the dutch gazette which he takes for gospel he thinks that france is being brought to ruin by the pen of that writer whose fine wit according to him is sufficient to defeat armies after that he raved about the ministry spoke of all its faults and i thought he would never have done if one is to believe him he knows the secrets of the cabinet better than those who compose it the policy of the state is an open book to him and no step is taken without his seeing through it he shows you the secret machinations of all that takes place whither the wisdom of our neighbors tends and controls at his will and pleasure all the affairs of europe his knowledge of what goes on extends as far as africa and asia and he is informed of all that is discussed in the privy council of prester john you make the best excuse you can and so arrange it that it may pass off well and be easily received i assure you dear julia that this is the real reason of my being late but if i wanted to say anything gallant i could tell you that the rendezvous to which you bring me here might well excuse the sluggishness of which you complain to compel me to pay my addresses to the lady of this house is certainly reason enough for me to fear being here the first i ought not to have to bear the misery of it except when she whom it amuses is present i avoid finding myself alone with that ridiculous countess with whom you shackle me in short as i come only for your sake 
I have every reason to stay away until you are here. Oh, you will never lack the power of giving a bright colour to your faults. However, if you had come half an hour sooner, we should have enjoyed those few moments. For when I came, I found that the Countess was out, and I have no doubt that she has gone all over the town to claim for herself the honour of the comedy you gave me under her name. But, pray, when will you put an end to this, and make me buy less dearly the happiness of seeing you? When our parents agree, which I scarcely dare hope for, you know as well as I do that the dissensions which exist between our two families deprive us of the possibility of seeing each other anywhere else, and that neither my brothers nor my father are likely to approve of our engagement. Yes, but why not profit better by the opportunity which their enmity gives us? And why oblige me to waste, under a ridiculous deception, the moments I pass near you? It is the better to hide our love. And besides, to tell you the truth, this deception you speak of is, to me, a very amusing comedy, and I hardly think that the one you gave me today will amuse me as much. Our Countess of Escabanias, with her perpetual infatuation for quality, is as good a personage as can be put on the stage. The short journey she has made to Paris has brought her back to Angoulême more crazy than ever. The air of the court has given a new charm to her extravagance, and her folly grows and increases every day. Yes, but do you not take into consideration that what amuses you drives me to despair, and that one cannot dissimulate long when one is under the sway of love as true as that which I feel for you? It is cruel to think, dear Julia, that this amusement of yours should deprive me of the few moments during which I could speak to you of my love. And last night I wrote on the subject some verses that I cannot help repeating to you. So true is it that the mania of reciting one's verses is inseparable from the title of a poet. Iris, too long thou keepest on torture's rack one who obeys thy laws, yet whispering chides in that thou biddest me boost a joy I lack and hush the sorrow that my bosom hides. Must thy dear eyes, to which I yield my arms, from my sad sighs draw wanton pleasure still? Is it not enough to suffer for thy charms, that I must grieve at thy capricious will? This double martyrdom a pain affords, too keen to bear at once thy deeds, thy words, work on my wasting heart a cruel doom. Love bids it burn, constraint its life thus chill, if pity soften not thy wayward will, love, feigned and real, will lead me to the tomb. I see that you make yourself out much more ill-used than you need. But it is the way with you poets to tell falsehoods in cold blood, and to pretend that those you love are much more cruel than they are, in order to make them correspond to the fancies you may take into your heads. Yet I should like you, if you will, to give me those verses in writing. No. It is enough that I have repeated them to you, and I ought to stop there. A man may be foolish enough to make verses, but that is different from giving them to others. It is in vain for you to affect a false modesty. Your wit is well known, and I do not see why you should hide what you write. Ah, we must tread here with the greatest circumspection. It is a dangerous thing to set up for a wit. There is inherent to it a certain touch of absurdity which is catching and we should be warned by the example of some of our friends. Oh, nonsense, Cleant. I see that, in spite of all you say, you are longing to give me your verses, and I feel sure that you would be very unhappy if I pretended not to care for them. 
I unhappy? Oh, dear, no. I am not so much of a poet for you to think that I... But here is the Countess of Escabanus. I'll go by this door, so as not to meet her, and we'll see that everything is got ready for the play I have promised you. Scene 2. The Countess, Julia, André and Criquet in the background. What, madam, are you alone? Ah, what a shame, all alone. I thought my people had told me that the Viscount was here. It is true that he came, but it was sufficient for him to know that you were not at home. He would not stop after that. What? Did he see you? Yes. And did he not stop to talk with you? No, madam. He wished to show you how very much he is struck by your charms. Still, I shall call him to account for that. However much any one may be in love with me, I wish them to pay to our sex the homage that is due to it. I am not one of those unjust women who approve of the rudeness their lovers display towards other fair ones. You must in no way be surprised at his conduct. The love he has for you shows itself in all his actions, and prevents him from caring for anybody but you. I know that I can give rise to a strong passion. I have for that enough beauty, youth, and rank, thank heaven. But it is no reason why those who love me should not keep within the bounds of propriety towards others. Seeing Criquet. What are you doing there, little page? Is there not an ante-room for you to be in until you are called? It is a strange thing that in the provinces we cannot meet with a servant who knows his place. To whom do you think I am speaking? Why do you not move? Will you go outside, little knave that you are? Scene 3. The Countess, Julia, André. Come hither, girl. What do you wish me to do, ma'am? To take off my head-dress. Gently, you awkward girl. How roughly you touch my head with your heavy hands. I do it as gently as I can, ma'am. No doubt. But what you call gently is very rough treatment for my head. You have almost put my neck out of joint. Now, take also this muff. Go and put it with the rest into the closet. Don't leave anything about. Well, where is she going now? What is this stupid girl doing? I am going to take this into the closet, as you told me, ma'am. Ah, heavens! To Julia. Pray, excuse her rudeness, madam. To André. I told you my closet, great ass. That is the place where I keep my dresses. Please, ma'am. Is a cupboard called a closet at court? Yes, dunce. It is thus that a place where clothes are kept is called. I will remember it, ma'am, as well as the word furniture warehouse for your attic. Scene 4. The Countess, Julia. Ah, <sighs> what trouble it gives me to have to teach such simpletons. I think them very fortunate to be under your discipline, madam. She is my nurse's daughter, whom I have made lady's maid. The post is quite new to her as yet. It shows a generous soul, madam, and it is glorious thus to form people. Come, some seats, I say. Here, little page. Little page! Little page boy! Truly, 
this is too bad not to have a page to give us chairs my maids my page my page my maids oh somebody i really think that they must be all dead and that we shall have to find seats for ourselves scene five the countess julia andre what is it you want ma'am you do make people scream after you you servants i was putting your muff and headdress away in the cup uh, in the closet i mean call in that rascal of a page i say cricket cease that cricket of yours stupid and call out page page then and not cricket come and speak to missus i think he must be deaf crick uh, page page scene six the countess julia andre cricket what is it you want where were you you rascal in the street ma'am why in the street you told me to go outside oh you are a rude little fellow and you ought to know that outside among people of quality means the ante-room andre mind you ask my equerry to flog this little rogue he is an incorrigible little wretch whom do you mean by your equerry ma'am is it mr charles you call by that name be silent you impertinent girl you can hardly open your mouth without making some rude remark to criquet quick some seats to andre and you light two wax candles in my silver candlesticks it's getting late what is it now why do you look so scared ma'am well ma'am what is the matter it is that what i have no wax candles but only dips <gasps> the simpleton and where are the wax candles i brought a few days ago i have seen none since i have been here <gasps> get out of my presence rude girl i will send you back to your home again oh, bring me a glass of water scene seven the countess and julia making much ceremony before they sit down madam madam ah madam oh madam madam i beg of you madam i beg of you oh madam oh madam pray madam pray madam now really madam now really madam i am in my own house madam we are agreed as to that do you take me for a provincial madam oh heaven forbid madam scene eight the countess julia andre who brings a glass of water criquet the countess to andre get along with you you hussy i drink with a salver i tell you that you must go and fetch me a salver cricket what's a salver a salver yes i don't know the countess to andre will you move or will you not we don't either of us know what a salver is 
know then that it is a plate on which you put the glass scene nine the countess julia long live paris it is only there that one is well waited upon there a glance is enough scene ten the countess julia andre who brings a glass of water with a plate on the top of it Crique. is that what i asked you for you dunderhead it is under that you must put the plate that is easy to do <gasps> she breaks the glass in trying to put it on the plate you stupid girl you shall really pay for the glass you shall i promise you very well ma'am i will pay you for it but did you ever see such an awkward loutish girl such a i say ma'am if i am to pay for the glass i won't be scolded into the bargain get out of my sight scene eleven the countess julia really madam small towns are strange places in them there is no respect of persons and i have just been making a few calls at houses where they drove me almost to despair so little regard did they pay to my rank why could you expect them to have learnt manners they have never been to paris still they might learn if they would only listen to one but what i think is too bad is that they will persist in saying that they know as much as i do i who have spent two months in paris and have seen the whole court what absurd people they are unbearable in the impertinent equality with which they treat people for in short there ought to be a certain subordination in things and what puts me out of all patience is that a town upstart whether with two days gentility to boast of or with two hundred years should have impudence enough to say that he is as much of a gentleman as my late husband who lived in the country kept a pack of hounds and took the title of count in all the deeds that he signed they know better how to live in paris in those large hotels you must remember with such pleasure the hotel of mouchy madame that hotel of lyon that hotel of holland what charming places to live in it is true that those places are very different from what we have here you see there people of quality who do not hesitate to show you all the respect and consideration which you look for one is not under the obligation of rising from one's seat and if one wants to see a review or the great ballet of psyche your wishes are at once attended to i should think madam that during your stay in paris you made many a conquest among the people of quality you can readily believe madam that of all the famous court gallants not one failed to come to my door and pay his respects to me i keep in my casket some of the letters sent me and can prove by them what offers i have refused there's no need for me to tell you their names you know what is meant by court gallants i wonder madam how after all those great names which i can easily guess you can descend to mr Thibaudier, a councillor and mr halpon a collector of taxes the fall is great i must say for your viscount 
although nothing but a country viscount is still a viscount and can take a journey to paris if he has not been there already but a councillor and a tax-gatherer are but poor lovers for a great countess like you they are men whom one treats kindly in the country in order to make use of when the need arises they serve to fill up the gaps of gallantry and to swell the ranks of one's lovers it is a good thing not to leave a lover the sole master of one's heart lest for want of rivals his love go to sleep through overconfidence i confess madam that no one can help profiting wonderfully by all you say your conversation is a school to which i do not fail to come every day in order to learn something new scene twelve the countess julia andre criquet criquet to the countess here's janelle mr tibaudier's man who wants to see you ma'am ah you little wretch this is another of your stupidities a well-bred lackey would have spoken in a whisper to a gentlewoman in attendance the latter would have come to her mistress and have whispered in her ear here is the footman of mr so-and-so who wants to speak to you madam to which the mistress would have answered show him in scene thirteen the countess julia andre criquet janot come along in janot another blunder to janot what do you want page what have you there it is mr thobaudier ma'am who wishes you good morning and before he comes sends you some pears out of his garden with this small note scene fourteen the countess criquet janot the countess giving some money to janot here my boy here is something for your trouble oh no thank you ma'am take it i say my master told me not to take anything from you ma'am never mind take it all the same excuse me ma'am take it you know if you don't want it you can give it to me tell your master that i thank him criquet to janot who is going give it to me you know yeah you catch me it was i who made you take it i should have taken it without your help what pleases me in this mr tibaudier is that he knows how to behave with people of my quality and that he is very respectful scene fifteen the viscount the countess julia criquet i come to tell you madam that the theatricals will soon be ready and that we can go into the hall in a quarter of an hour mind i will have no crowd after me to criquet tell the porter not to let anybody come in if so madam i give up our theatricals i could take no interest in them unless the spectators are numerous believe me if you want to enjoy it thoroughly tell your people to let the whole town in page a seat to the viscount after he is seated you have come just in time to accept a self-sacrifice i am willing to make to you look i have here a note from mr tibaudier who sends me some pears i give you leave to read it aloud i have not opened it yet the viscount after he has read the note to himself this note is written in the most fashionable style madam 
and is worthy of all your attention reads aloud madam i could not have made you the present i send you if my garden did not bring me more fruit than my love you see clearly by this that nothing has taken place between us the pears are not quite ripe yet but they will all the better match the hardness of your heart the continued disdain of which promises me nothing soft and sweet allow me madam without risking an enumeration of your charms which would be endless to conclude with begging you to consider that i am as good a christian as the pears which i send you for i render good for evil which is to say to explain myself more plainly that i present you with good christian pears in return for the choke pears which your cruelty makes me swallow every day your unworthy slave tobaldia madam this letter is worth keeping there may be a few words in it that are not of the academy but i observe it in a certain respect which pleases me greatly you are right madam and even if the viscount were to take it amiss i should love a man who would write so to me scene sixteen mr thibaudier the viscount the countess julia criquet come here mr thibaudier do not be afraid of coming in your note was well received and so were your pears and there is a lady here who takes your part against your rival i am much obliged to her madam and if ever she has a lawsuit in our court she may be sure that i shall not forget the honour she does me in making herself the advocate of my flame near your beauty you have no need of an advocate sir and your cause has justice on its side this nevertheless madam the right has need of help and i have reason to apprehend the being supplanted by such a rival and the beguiling of the lady by the rank of the viscount i had hopes before your note came sir but now i confess fears for my love here are likewise a few little couplets which i have composed to your honour and glory madam ah i had no idea that mr tibaldier was a poet these few little couplets will be my ruin he means two strophes to criquet page give a seat to mr tibaldier aside to criquet who brings a chair a folding chair little animal mr thibaudier sit down there and read your strophes to us mr thibaudier reads a person of quality is my fair dame she has got beauty fierce is my flame yet i must blame her pride and cruelty i am lost after that the first line is excellent a person of quality i think it is a little too long but a liberty may be taken to express a noble thought the countess to mr thibaudier let us have the other mr thibaudier reads i know not if you doubt that my love be sincere yet this i know that my heart every moment longs to leave its sorry apartment to visit yours with fond respect and fear after all this having my love in hand and my honour of superfine brand 
you ought in turn i say content to be a countess gay to cast that tigress skin away which hides your charms both night and day i am undone by mr Tibaldier. do not make fun of it for the verses are good although they are country verses i madam make fun of it though he is my rival i think his verses admirable i do not call them like you two strophes merely but two epigrams as good as any of marshall's what does marshall make verses i thought he only made gloves it is not that marshall madam but an author who lived thirty or forty years ago mr Tibaldier has read the authors as you see but madam we shall see if my comedy with its interludes and dances will counteract in your mind the progress which the two strophes have made my son the count must be one of the spectators for he came this morning from my country seat with his tutor whom i see here scene seventeen the countess julia de viscount mr thibaudier mr bobinet criquet mr bobinet i say mr bobinet come forward i give the good evening to all this honourable company what does madame the countess of escarbanias want of her humble servant bobinet what time mr bobinet did you leave escarbanias with the count my son at a quarter to nine my lady according to your orders how are my two other sons the marquise and the commander they are heaven be thanked in perfect health where is the count in your beautiful room with a recess in it madam what is he doing mr bobinet madam he is composing an essay upon one of the epistles of cicero which i have just given him as a subject call him in mr bobinet be it according to your command madam exit scene eighteen the countess julia de viscount mr thibaudier mr thibaudier to the countess that mr bobinet madam looks very wise and i think that he is a man of esprit scene nineteen the countess julia the viscount the count mr bobinet mr thibaudier come my lord show what progress you make under the good precepts that are given you bow to the honourable company the countess showing julia come count salute this lady bow low to the viscount salute the counsellor i am delighted madam that you should grant me the favour of embracing his lordship one cannot love the trunk without loving the branches goodness gracious mr thibaudier what a comparison to use really madam his lordship the count has perfect manners this is a young gentleman who is thriving well who could have believed that your ladyship had so big a child alas when he was born i was so young that i still played with dolls he is your brother and not your son be very careful of his education mr bobinet i shall never madam neglect anything towards the cultivation of the young plant which your goodness has entrusted to my care and i will try to inculcate in him the seeds of all the virtues mr bobinet 
Just make him recite some choice piece from what you teach him. Will your lordship repeat your lesson of yesterday morning? Omne viro soli quod convenit est overile. Omne viri. Fie, Mr. Bobinet. What silly stuff is that you teach him? It is Latin, madam, and the first rule of Jean de Potter. Truly, that Jean Despatier is an impudent fellow, and I beg you to teach my son more honest Latin than this in the future. If you will allow him to say it all through, madam, the gloss will explain the meaning. There is no need. It explains itself sufficiently. Scene 20. The Countess, Julia, the Viscount, Mr. Thibaudier, the Count, Mr. Bobinet, Criquet. The actors sent me to tell you that they are ready. Let us take our seats. Showing Julia. Mr. Thibaudier, take this lady under your care. Criquet places all the chairs on one side of the stage. The Countess, Julia, and the Viscount sit down, and Mr. Thibaudier sits down at the Countess's feet. It is important for you to observe that this comedy was made only to unite the different pieces of music and dancing which compose the entertainment, and that... Ah, never mind. Let us see it. We have enough good sense to understand things. Begin then at once, and see that no troublesome intruder comes to disturb our pleasure. The violins begin an overture. Scene 21. The Countess, Julia, the Viscount, the Count... Mr. Arpin, Mr. Thibaudier, Mr. Bobinet, Criquet. By George, this is fine, and I rejoice to see what I see. How? Mr. Receiver, what do you mean by this behavior? Is it right to come and interrupt a comedy in that fashion? By Jove, madam, I am delighted at this adventure, and it shows me what I ought to think of you, and what I ought to believe of the assurances you gave me of the gift of your heart, and likewise of all your oaths of fidelity. But really, one should not come thus in the middle of a play and disturb an actor who is speaking. Ha! Zounds! The real comedy here is the one you are playing, and I care little if I disturb you. Really, you do not know what you are saying. Yes, damn it. I know perfectly well. And... Mr. Bobinet, frightened, takes up the Count and runs away. Criquet follows him. Fie, sir! How wrong it is to swear in that fashion! Ah, Zadath, if there is anything bad here, it is not my swearing, but your actions. And it would be much better for you to swear by heaven and hell than to do what you do with a Viscount. I don't know, sir, of what you have to complain, and if... I have nothing to say to you, sir. You do right to push your fortune. That is quite natural. I see nothing strange in it, and I beg your pardon for interrupting your play. But neither can you find it strange that I complain of her proceedings. We both have a right to do what we are doing. I have nothing to say to that, and I do not know what cause of complaint you can have against her ladyship, the Countess of Escabanus. When one suffers from jealousy... One does not give way to such outbursts, but one comes peaceably to complain to the person beloved. I complain peaceably. Yes, 
one does not come and shout on the stage what should be said in private i came purposely to complain on the stage Zadah. it is the place that suits me best and i should be glad if this were a real theatre so that i might expose you more publicly is there need for such an uproar because the viscount gives a play in my honour just look at mr Thibaudier, who loves me he acts more respectfully than you do mr Thibaudier does as he pleases i don't know how far mr Thibaudier has got with you but mr Thibaudier is no example for me i don't like to pay the piper for other people to dance but mr receiver you don't consider what you are saying women of rank are not treated thus and those who hear you might believe that something strange has taken place between us confound it all madam let us cast aside all this foolery what do you mean by foolery i mean that i do not think it strange that you should yield to the viscount's merit you're not the first woman in the world who plays such a part and who has a receiver of taxes of whom the love and purse are betrayed for the first newcomer who takes her fancy but do not think it extraordinary that i do not care to be the dupe of an infidelity so common to coquettes of the period that i come before good company to say that i break with you and that i the receiver of taxes will no more be taxed on your account it is really wonderful how angry lovers have become the fashion we see nothing else anywhere come come mr receiver cast aside your anger and come and take a seat to see the play i sit down zadath not i showing mr Thibaudier. look for a fool at your feet my lady countess i give you up to my lord the viscount and it is to him that i will send the letters i have received from you my scene is ended my part is played good night to all we shall meet somewhere else and i will show you that i am a man of the sword as well as of the pen right my good mr Thibaudier. exit such insolence confounds me the jealous madam are like those who lose their cause they have leave to say anything let us listen to the play now scene twenty two the countess de viscount julia mr thibaudier jeannot jeannot to the viscount sir here is a note which i have been asked to give to you immediately the viscount reads as you may have some measures to take i send you notice at once that the quarrel between your family and that of julia's has just been settled and that the condition of this agreement is your marriage with julia good night to julia truly madam our part is also played the viscount the countess and mr thibaudier all rise oh cleant what happiness is this our love could scarcely hope for such a happy end what is it you mean it means madam that i married julia and if you will believe me in order to make the play complete at all points you will marry mr thibaudier and give andre to his footman whom he will make his valet de chambre what you deceive thus a person of my rank no offence to you madam but plays require such things yes mr Thibaudier, 
I will marry you to vex everybody. You do me too much honor, madam. Allow us, madam, in spite of our vexation, to see the end of the play. The End End of the Countess of Escarbagna by Moliere Translated by Charles Heron Wall